If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. We can turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. And we will be starting in verse 20. If you were here last week, we had made it to this point in the book of Hebrews. And probably most of your Bibles have a little heading above them that says benediction. <clears throat> Who did some studying that can just tell me a real quick definition? Tim is ready on what <laughs> benediction is. Short invocation for divine help. A blessing. Is it just any blessing? We're gonna go. We're gonna go pretty deep on this tonight. Well, I say pretty deep. It's not. I don't have a huge lesson. So, depending on how long or how much y'all um, participate, will depend on how long this is. I don't want to go through doxology and prayer. I want to. I know how excited Kevin was about wanting to go through that. So, I want to leave some of that for him. Benediction comes from the Latin word "good speak." or good words. So when you think of it in this context, these are good words from God. When you look at that compared to a doxology or a prayer, prayer is pretty much us lifting our concerns to God, and a doxology is lifting a praise to God. So think of it in the direction. Doxology and prayer is like a upward north like a north direction, so to say. And a benediction is south. This is coming from God. And doxology is always a praise from man to God. And a benediction is always a good word or a blessing from God to man. God began this act of benediction. We can see all the way back in the Old Testament. So I just hold your place in Hebrews and turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And I think you're going to recognize this verse when we start reading it. And somebody's going to be able to tell me where they've heard this other than just reading it right now. Numbers chapter 6, and we'll start in verse... 22. You ready? It says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put My name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Where have you heard that? It's in the Psalms too. Anybody paying attention at the end of our service? Have you ever heard Kevin pray this? This is the reason why he does. This is God's blessing over His people. And what it, what it mainly is, is these are the true things that God has spoke promises to us and where He's ministers of the Word are saying these things over the people. If you look back in, in like a church history, you'll actually see that this is not so much a prayer over the people, not to say it can't be prayed over the people, but it was a certain posture they had to them. They would lift their hands over the people with their eyes open. And the people would, would have their hands open as, an, as a kind of a sign that they wanted to receive these things. And the, the minister would, would speak these things over the congregation, over God's people. So when you think of it from that point of view, you have to ask the question, well, why is he just speaking these things that we know as promises already? So we're going to get to that point. 
I think there's three things that, I, I re that really stood out to me, and y'all might see more, that we can learn from a benediction. Number one, it's a word from God. It's a... You're right. That word we just read, he's saying he thinks it was used in the temple. From Aaron on, it was spoken over the priest. That was there, the blessing over them, and it went from there to the people, and that was that was the act and way and the way it went. So they're they're a word from God. It's a good word. It's blessings spoken over God's people. They mainly teach us what to expect from God, and it can only come from God. Uh, they are things that are true about what God has already promised us. I guess just to sum it up. But to look at, let's, let's just break apart number six, what we just read. What is this blessing? Who can tell me what you say first? Probably starting in chapter 6, verse 24 to begin with. What does the blessing say? So he's gonna he's gonna bless us, he's gonna keep us. How important is it that he keeps us? If he doesn't keep us, we're in bad trouble, right? So here's a promise that he's gonna bless us, and he's gonna keep us, he's gonna preserve us. What do you say next? Right. So his blessing is described as his face shining on his people, his presence. We're in his presence. And then he shows us grace. But do not miss that he keeps us. <laughs> Kevin doesn't pray that prayer like he thinks if he doesn't say it, God is not going to keep us. He prays that prayer to remind us that God is keeping us. What does that do? What would that do in somebody's life? When this is spoken over God's people, why would it be important that they hear that? It's just strengthening that faith, right? Here's a reminder God's going to keep you. He said, I'm going to keep you. That's right. That's right. He said He would never forsake us. That's exactly right. So you think of prayer, like I say, it was two different postures here. You think of prayer, most of the time you think, well, I bow my head and I close my eyes. Nowhere in the Bible does it say we have to do it that way. That's just what, the way we do it. Half the time I do it because I want to focus on what people are saying and not be distracted because Truth be told, I'd probably be smacking some kids because they're not paying attention to what's being prayed or something like that. But it, it helps me to blank everything out and just focus on what's being said. This is not so much the case. Like, Right. Has anybody ever tried praying with your eyes open? It's a little different. But sometimes when you're alone and you pray with your eyes open, it actually feels a little bit closer to me sometimes. That I'm not, there's nobody else around and I feel like I'm just talking to somebody who's standing right here in front of me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Sometimes when we get food in the car, I don't bow my head and pray when somebody's saying a blessing and we're going down the road. That, they might pray a little longer than we need to. And <laughs> we're thinking, Jesus, take the wheel. Right. 
Right. That, that's, a, that's a good example. The second thing that we see, just coming out of uh, number six, I, I keep referring back to it. Moses told Aaron to speak this, and for his, the priestly line was always the same, to speak this over the people. You see that benediction is pronounced by, a qualified, by qualified men who have been entrusted to preach and teach the Word of God. Um, the Old Testament, like I say, was mainly that uh, Levitical priesthood that would do these things. And then you see into the New Testament where that, um, those duties have been passed on to elders and preachers. So, brings me to the last point that I had walking through a benediction of what it actually is. So, I asked the question, if it's already true about God's people, then why do they need to receive it? Last point, for the purpose of strengthening faith. The Lord speaks to us through a benediction. It's spoken over us by His ministers. And our response should be faith. Should be uh strengthening our faith because we see that God is sustaining us, that He said He would never leave us. We're going to look at a few of those benedictions here in a minute. But just to recap, benediction is a good word from God. The difference between benediction, doxology, and prayer is benediction is God to us, the other two are us to God. <clears throat> spoken over His people by ministers and the ministers of His Word for the purpose of strengthening and sustaining faith. And they basically remind us, this is what I wrote down, remind us that we need what we need most, what we need most can only come from God. So just to look at a few of these, we've already read one. Right. That's another big one. We need that reminder way more than we think we do. We can study benediction today and read through these and see these reminders, but if we're not reminding ourselves and being reminded, you'll forget them until you come back to them again. Um, so Psalm 67, 1 through 2, you ain't got to flip there because it's basically a snapshot. That's the one you brought up. was like a snapshot of this exact thing. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and may His face shine upon us. Romans 15, 5-6. We can turn there. Romans 15, 5-6. through 6. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is the, what is the blessings in this right here? What's the value in living in harmony with one another as Christians? What does the Bible constantly tell us to strive for what? Unity. We, we can't do anything. <laughs> we can't do anything, I guess, that would be pleasing in God's eyes if we're all headed the different direction and we never agree on anything. We're all opinionated. You know, all these things that we've been learning about over the last few weeks. We all slander one another. We can't get anywhere. How do we look any different? Because when you look out there, that's exactly what they're doing and they love it. All right, we would live in harmony with one another. What's, what's the next thing? 
in accord with Christ. And what is the whole purpose of that? The ending verse. What is the whole purpose? Glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can skip on over to 15, 13. There's another one. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Where's it at there? It's good. It's good. You use Scripture to interpret Scripture. <laughs> so he's asking God to fill us with joy and peace in believing. And how do we abound in hope? The power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 16 I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 13. How did I mess that one up? Second Corinthians 13, verse 14. One verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Are y'all starting to see a pattern Pattern here? It's not really anything completely different. It's all focusing on the same thing. This is not so much about us as it is about us glorifying God. Yeah, that's a, that's a great place to see that. One verse wraps everything up. Uh, let's look at Galatians. Or I'm sorry, Ephesians 6. Ephesians six twenty three through 24. It says, Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. What is it saying? Where where is the uh, what's the message that's being spoken over these people? So what what words do you what words have you seen that have been repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated? Peace, unity, love. Sorry. 
grace. There's probably four important words that we need to pay attention to there that God is speaking this over His people. Why is peace important? I think we just touched on it. For unity. Why is grace important on your life? Grace from God. Why is love important? Right. Right. You can do all the good in the world. You can do all the good in the world and say it's in the name of Jesus, but if there is no love, what's the Bible say? It's nothing. It is nothing. All right, what is... Um, see if this one... A lot of these are just short ones. Philemon 25 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And then we'll move into Hebrews 13. And we'll read some of the last verses in Hebrews. I'm not closing it out. Kevin's been in this book for 10 years now. I'm not, I'm not closing it. He's going to close it. <laughs> 13 verse 20. Who can tell me what has led up? What has led up to this benediction? Right. Who can tell me about the book of Hebrews as a whole? What do you see this? Don't quit. Encouragement. Right. Encourage each other to stay in the faith. There's also a bunch of warnings in there. Don't be like these people were. See the example of how they were? Don't be like them. Be like this. We see, who do we see Jesus as in the book of Hebrews? Give me some examples. There's a bunch. Perfect example the high priest, the ultimate sacrifice, the good shepherd. And then we see him. He mentions all these people of the faith. We would look at, and they are heroes of the faith. But then you look at Jesus compared to them and you still see those flaws as you walk back and study these people in the Old Testament. You still see the flaws of all these people. Jesus is the highest. You can't, no matter where you point to, you can't get no higher than this. All point in this direction. And if you pay attention through the whole entire Bible, it, it, it's all pointing that direction. You can get lost in the stories, but you can go through the whole entire Bible and every bit of it was pointing you to this. The bad stuff was pointing you that this is how it's going to, this is culminating, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is what it looks like when man disobeys. But this right here is everything. 
So knowing all that about Hebrews, we come to the very end. And the benediction, and even in a service, historically, was over the end of it. You had the invocation, which was kind of the inviting you into the presence, inviting you into the worship of God. You had the message, and the benediction was towards the end, and it was spoken over the people. So the writer says, verse 20, Now may the God of peace... This is one of the reasons why a lot of people think one of the small details of why people think that Paul wrote Hebrews. There's not enough evidence here, but Paul uses the God of peace. can't remember how many times. It's about five, ten times throughout the New Testament. He says the God of peace. Who brought again from the dead. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good that you may do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's a ton right there that you could study from. Who can tell me what, what are the blessings you see that are coming out of this? What is He asking what is he saying about God to these people? And how can we be pleasing? Right? And it's the only way you can do it is you are right there on it. Pleasing in sight through Jesus Christ. That is the only way. We can work and work and work and work and work. But if it's not through faith in Jesus, doesn't matter. We're just doing a bunch of work. Yeah. That's the miracle in itself when you think about it. You think of how broken you were. You think of how far you came. You look just back. I can look back. If I look beyond... My walk, man, that's some bad stuff. But I even look at my walk and go, the patience, the grace that you have shown me because thinking I knew when I knew everything that I needed to know that I could do certain things. How many, how many of y'all, when you first got saved, and this didn't happen to me until I read a book called Not a Fan. I don't recommend that book to to anybody really now but when I got to the end of that book I felt like I needed to do 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 I could not do enough and that was right I couldn't do enough but I felt like I needed to be doing something all the time and I burnt myself out we did we loaded up almost everything we wore at one point and was like, give it away. Give it all away. And we just tried to do everything we possibly could. And at the end of it, I felt like just, we didn't do enough. We didn't do enough. And I had hung myself up into the, the fact of thinking that I needed to do everything I could possibly do for God to be pleased with me. And I missed the whole point. And I look back at that and I think, God was so patient with me. A lot of people were patient with me. And I know everybody, everybody, you know, has different ways that they have struggled through their if anybody raises their hand and said it's been a breeze, y'all are lying. Because it is not a breeze. Or teach me your ways. 
So we see this benediction here, and he says, he starts to explain, number one, who God is. May the God of peace, God is a God of peace. Why would he not want his people to be peaceful? We see those benedictions that we've read over the past. Unity, harmony, peace. The God of peace, who really is the only one who can bring peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the power over death like we explained before, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. What is he talking about here? What is the blood of the eternal covenant? Right. This, this doesn't go away. This isn't the temporary slaughter of animals and we move on to something better. This is it. This is all of it. Equip you with everything good that you may do His will. How are we equipped? How are you equipped with everything to do something good? Study. That's right. How are we going to know how to be more like God if we don't know what God is like? And that's if you see some of those the, the false teachings or just this relaxed way of I, just, I think God is this and I think God is that. I just read a story not too long ago and I'm not going to name the name. It was a popular singer a few years back that was in the, the Christian charts and he's come right out and said that now he believes God is everything. God is you. God is me. God is trees. God is the grass. God is, God is everywhere and that's who God is. <clears throat> and I'm thinking... How do you pick this up and get that? You couldn't have. You, could, you, you must have just grabbed little pieces here and there and just put your own little puzzle together. And we're all probably a little guilty of that sometimes. But when you really look at the context on what he's speaking on, when you really study the Bible to know what God is saying and not what you want God to say, that's when growth takes place. That's how we are equipped. So it's working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Him closing the, closing the whole benediction out over the people. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I don't have anything else on benediction. We could look at a few more verses. I am anxious to ask Tim Guthrie what he found out about. Did you study doxology? Right. You got any examples of that? Should be in quite a few Psalms. Let me see if I can find this one real quick and we'll, we'll, you will be able to see the difference. Right.
Let me see if I can find us a doxology to look at. Psalm 8. All right, Psalm 8, it says, my heading says, how majestic is your name to the choir master, according to the, there's too many T's in that word, uh, a Psalm of David. It's like Tim, uh, Tim had said, hymns, psalms, praises, all praises to God. Verse 1, it says, our Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beast of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Do you see a huge difference between the two? Between a benediction and this? What do you see here? Just overall, what do you see? Praise God for everything you are and everything you have done. Right. That One of these verses here actually has stuck with me so long. What? Verse 4 or verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, take that and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Who am I to all these things you have created? I can't... He's saying, I can't even fathom how to even comprehend that. Who am I that you are mindful of Him? All right, do you have any more? A lot of churches, even now today, they sing the Psalms. And I would love to be able to, I don't even know where to start. Because you look at them, number one, they don't rhyme. Right. We went to G3 last year, and there's a fellow there by the name of Joel Beakey, and he is real big in studying uh, uh, the way pilgrims worshipped, all of those old, old ways of how they uh, lived their lives, how they would get up every morning, and that was one of, they get up every morning and they would read the Bible and they'd sing songs and they'd pray together as a family and they did the same thing the night before. And they sang the hymns, and the hymns and the psalms. And he said, all my church sings are the psalms. And I'm like, what is your worship, how does your worship team do that? You know, is it acapella or what? And then, you know, he never really answered the question, and I've searched a few places, and a lot of them seem like they're a little on the edge of weird, and I haven't, haven't went much further than that. But I would love to be able to. I would love to be able to lead people, because what would be better than to sing God's Word back to Him, lift these praises up again? Psalm 18. You can read through several of the psalms and you'll actually see some of the more recent songs that, they're, that, that are out there right now. 
Right. We'll look at it. Oh, yeah. The Lord is my, my rock and my fortress is the, the title there. Verse 1, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. <clears throat> my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God, and I cried for help. From His temple, He heard my voice, and my cry to Him reached His ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations also of, of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. There's a, there's a hymn out there that, that has, I mean, it's not exactly like this version of the Bible, but there's a hymn out there that is very, very, very close. I think it's in one of the old books that I have. Verse 8. Smoke went up from his nostrils. He's angry. And devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Do you see the intensity of these things? He's not just saying the Lord was mad. He's not just saying, Lord, you're my strength. It's, I don't know, it's, the Psalms are beautiful to me to, to read through them because you can really feel the emotion when they were written. And, right. There's no belittling God in any of these things. It was, I can't lift you up high enough in my mind. And, Right. You mentioned Revelation. I think there's even a benediction. It's Revelations 21, maybe. But we can look. We'll look at your verse. What did you say it was? Four nine. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Step back one verse. And all the four living creatures, each one of them with six wings full of eyes all around round and within, and day and night never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could think of this. Yep. Right. Here you see the 24 elders. It says, verse 10, fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Pure praise.
Jude, verse 24. Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This almost appears to be a benediction that turns into a doxology if you read it from the beginning because he says, to him is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory. So it seems, it seems like it could kind of go both ways there because he's not speaking anything that's outside of uh, God's promises to us that we would be blameless before Him. Does anybody else know of another benediction or a doxology? There's tons in Psalms. Basically, it's almost every single one of them, I would say. Some of those that we that really stand out First Thessalonians, what was that? <clears throat> right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Yep, we got both of those. We just did that one. Philemon. Second Thessalonians 2. We'll look at that one. We did not hit that one. Second Thessalonians 2, verses 16 and 17. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and, and word. Where's the promises? What do we say here? Not just any comfort. What does it say? Eternal comfort. Not temporary. Not some comfort. Eternal comfort. Hope through grace. Comfort. And grace, pretty important things to have, right? <laughs> it's like it's always, it's always hitting the same points because number one, that's who God is and that's God's promises over His people. All right, here's you another one right here in, in 2 Thessalonians, right here at the end of the book itself. It even says benediction above it. I don't know how I missed it. 
2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is my sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is my way to write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Each one's a little bit different, but there's only so many ways you can write in these things, but it's the same thing over. Right. Right, it was. So you can look back to the Old Testament and compare it to the New Testament. It's still the same thing. It's different words, but it's still the same purpose, which lets us know that God has been the same the whole time. Right. And the promise that he gave back then is still the promise that he's going he's gonna to keep now. All right, I think we have beat this one. I, don't, I think I have hit every single verse that I had written down. Yeah, I did. I'm sure there's other ones out there. And I'm going to leave doxologies and prayer for Kevin to go a little deeper on next time and he might go a little deeper on benedictions than I did this week but